We uh, continue our series on spiritual disciplines, and um, I hope it's been helpful thus far. Uh, fasting, obviously something that we want to uh, be able to connect with God, be able to hear from Him, prayer, being able to express ourselves uh, to the Lord and, and ask for His will into our lives. So today, we're going to talk about one that, uh, full transparency, this was the hardest one for me of all of the spiritual disciplines uh, that... Uh, I will be talking about uh, for the practice because just the very nature of it and even the name of it, it's qu- uh, quiet time or devotion. I'm going to call it quiet time because it's more painful for me. Uh, I don't like quiet. Typically, the older I get, the more I like quiet. Uh, but uh, it seems that our world is busy. I get used to custom having my phone, always having my mind busy doing something. And uh, there's something uncomfortable about that pause. In fact, for those of you in my life group, you'll know that at the end of our group, we'll stop and we'll pray. And then typically I'll somebody start it and then I'll finish. And I'll have to leave a very long, uncomfortable pause. And eventually, if you get about 20 seconds, somebody's bound to pray. Because just the quiet, you can't handle it. We have something about it that there's something difficult there. There's a void there. Uh, but there's something powerful when we actually enter into a space of God. Uh, with God, and we allow the quiet to exist so we can really devote ourselves to hearing what he has to say. And today I'm going to talk about really what a quiet is, why we even have one, and, and what it is, but also then how do you practice a quiet time? How can you put this into your life? And uh, no, it's not just one more thing to add to your schedule. Uh, we'll talk about that too. So uh, that'll be talked about. Well, no, well, the reason that we're, we're going through these disciplines, right, is because discipline it's not punishment. It's not that you have to do these things because you were, you know, God wants his people to suffer. It's that discipline is what raises us up, gives us a better way of life. That's why we're called disciples. And really, the, Christi- the practice of following Jesus requires discipline. It requires us to shape the way that we live into a whole new way. That's why we do all of this, right? To follow after God and to live according to the kingdom which he's called us into So it does take effort, but it's a beautiful effort, and it leads to great, wonderful things. In fact, the anchor verse for this, I think, hopefully, has been something as a reminder for us as to why. It says, uh, 1 Corinthians 9, 25, that all athletes are disciplined in their training, right? We see them out there. But they do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. And in context, of course, Paul talking about how he forces his body, the way that he lives, his life. To, to conform to the will of God. How do we do that? It takes effort. But let's remember that so many of us spend so much time and effort working for temporary things, and there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, I'm glad that some athletes work really, really hard for a temporary prize. I wish the Broncos would do more of that, <laughs> right? But if all that energy can be spent on the temporary, how much more should we, the followers of Christ, that live for the eternal things, be able to discipline and shape our lives to conform to something much better, to live the higher life. And so this morning, we'll talk about the quiet time. Let's start first with what is a quiet time. Well, I'm going to start with what is not. A quiet time is not anything in Scripture that's mandated. It's not a command. You don't have to do it, right? It's just, but it's something that we find every great person in faith has done, right? The apostles, the prophets, even Christ himself practiced this. We have Psalms which talk about how David would get up early in the morning to meet with the Lord. It's something that is consistent amongst those. And even after scripture, all of the great saints and those who have gone before us that have done significant works for the kingdom of God have all had this practice in their life. 
right? It's so it may not be mandated, but it doesn't mean that's not important. It's also, it's not something that we do to earn God's favor, right? It's not a spiritual practice that you could sign up for a quiet time class, and then you go and do that, and then God's going to give you a little gold star and say, good boy, good girl, and then you earned his favor. That's not how it works, right? So before I get into quiet time, I know that a lot of times people try to put these disciplines into their life as a shortcut. They think that by doing these things, by praying and by fasting, by having quiet time, they somehow earn God's favor, and that's not at all how it works. Scripture tells us that we were depraved. We were lost. We were uh, separated from God by our own sin, unworthy to have any relationship with him. We had no favor, and yet because of his great love for us, God, who was rich in mercy, while we were still sinners, sent his son to a cross to die for our sins so he could be, could be reconciled with him so that we could receive his good favor. The way we receive God's favor is not by doing any religious work. It is not by any of these things that makes God happy with us. It is by on the basis of God's grace through faith in Christ Jesus as our Lord and Savior, and that alone. And what a wonderful thing. And so if you're not a follower of Christ yet, if he's not your Lord and Savior, then please don't waste your time and energy practicing these things. Come to the Lord, your Savior, and receive his gift of grace so that you can enjoy his favor. For those of us who have received that, we don't meet with God to gain his favor. It's not as like I miss a quiet time and God is somehow disgusted with me. Or if I want to butter him up because I want to ask him for something, I better have a quiet time. I meet with God. I have a quiet time because I have favor with God. It's a privilege that very few people in the scope of humanity have ever had the opportunity to enjoy. I meet with my Lord because I can. And so a quiet time, what is it? It's basically, it's just a, it's a time of, of intentional, uninterrupted fellowship with God. Intentional, uninterrupted fellowship. That's what it is. Now, we talked about four in prayer. Prayer is without ceasing, right? That's eventually our prayer life, our lives become a constant conversation with the Lord. And indeed, that's true. The longer that you've walked with the Lord, the more that you're going to find yourself just naturally engaging him in day in, day out, right? But here's the thing about that is while that is a wonderful and a beautiful thing and a natural practice we're supposed to have, the world gets distracting. Like I can be praying, but I also have to drive. Right? I could be praying, but sometimes I also have to do my taxes. I, I could be praying, but there's work to be done. There's, there's relationships with my wife or my kids. There's problems that I have to solve. And so there are times that that conversation with God, I, I can't just focus on him. I can't just focus on what he has to say to me. I can't focus on his will or his word. I'm having conversation, but I get distracted. And so we need times in which we're not distracted. You know, that's why I take my wife out on dates. I've got great conversations with her throughout the day, things like this. She'll text me. She does less now because it distracts me from other things, but she does. It's wonderful. But the thing is, is that if we just had our entire life, there was no intentional relationship building, our relationship would eventually fall apart. But there, there have to be intentional times of uninterrupted fellowship. And that's what a quiet time is. Now, there are three important elements into this uh, that, that you'll see. And the first one is that it's intentional. 
right? That we, we meet with God, we do it on purpose. I'm always with the Lord. The Lord is always with me. But there's something of value to be said that I'm, I'm actually taking time to be with God. And so it doesn't just happen. It's not just spontaneous. It's something that I say, I'm planning, Lord, to make you a priority with my life, which is what makes quiet time an act of worship. And remember, worship is whatever our lives revolve around or become the immovable things. And God wants us to worship him with our treasure, yes, and with our talents, of course. But first with our time, the most precious and limited resource any of us will ever have. So the very first thing that he puts into all of creation was, what, a Sabbath? He makes the world, and then the very first thing he says, and you get a day off? I want you to center your time around me, keep that holy. Well, you know, the quiet time is something that I don't just have to wait for a weekly time of intentionality. It's a portion which I can actually take my worship of God and make it a daily practice. It's intentional. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. The prophet uh, Jeremiah lived in a very difficult time when his nation was wandering from God and people were not seeking God. They were seeking just about everything but it. And God says, well, there's going to be consequence to that. And so your nation's going to be taken away and you're going to go into captivity and you're going to see Jerusalem, the strongholds of all of your religious and all that stuff going to be taken away from you. But he also finishes it with hope. And when you get to this portion of it, it's the promise of the return. And he says to Jeremiah in the midst of this, that even though you had not sought me, and even though you may be walking in my discipline, right, you're, you're going to be away from me, God is not going to leave or abandon them. The secret is not that so much that God has left them, but they had left God. So what's the solution? You will seek me. He says, and when we do, the promise is this, you will find me. So many times in our life, I think we have problems as believers with difficulty, not because God has abandoned us, but because he hasn't done things the way that we thought that he should. We became enamored of the world or maybe just distracted and busy or the soil of our heart wasn't quite right. And so we find this abandonment, this separation. And God becomes smaller and smaller and quieter and quieter. And we wonder, God, why have you left me? Why have you forsaken me? And the Lord did not at all. We just forsook him. But I love this. You will seek me and you will find me. But there's the caveat. When you seek me with all your heart. That part of, of quiet time, the intentionality is, is saying there are a lot of things that we could always be doing with our time. Right? I never have enough minutes in the day. Just don't. And I can't borrow them from anybody else. And so, how I spend my time is of great concern to me. And when I say yes to God, I have to say no to other things. Because I'm worshiping Him, not other things. Something's got to go on the altar. Something has to be sacrificed, and it's not going to be Him. It's a way of being able to learn how to seek him. And Jesus said, speaking of money, where your treasure is, your heart is also, but time is also a treasure to us, isn't it? And when I seek the Lord and I actually want to meet with him, that's when I find him. That's why quiet time as a religious practice is po pointless. 
this, if you just get up, you're gonna just going to go through the motions just because I have to go through the motions. So I'm trying to gain God's favor. I'm not going to do that. I'm not really seeking him. I'm seeking his approval. But when I seek the Lord, when I make it intentional, a priority to meet with him, I find him. And I discover he was never really hiding himself in the first place. So, Proverbs 8, 17 says, so I love those who love me and those who seek me find me. Isn't that awesome? That God's not going to be paying favorites and be like, well, Aaron, you're a stinker. It's nice that you're seeking after me, but I'd prefer not. That God loves those who love him. The first question, do we love him? Do I seek his good above my own? Because that is ultimately love. We know what love is because Christ first loved us and laid his best life down on a cross for us. That's how we know that he chose our good above his own. That I love the Lord. I'm going to seek him. That God cares for me and he died on a cross so that I could live with him. Will I deny him that? Or will I make his priority first mine? Well, the thing is amazing that God loves those who love him. When I seek him with my heart, and if I seek him, I will find him. Do you need the Lord? Yeah. Do you sometimes cry out and say, God, I, I, where are you? He's not gone. He's not far off. He is near. And he's not hiding himself. But he opens himself to those who are open to him. And that's the point of a quiet time. It's intentionally seeking after him. And we go into this, this time, then we, we recognize in the second element is, is not just as intentional, but also that it's uninterrupted. That I, this is what makes the quiet time quiet. I'm not busying myself or my mind or my heart or putting myself in a place where I'm going to get distracted because that's our nature. There's something in us that hates and abhors the silence, it, it, especially in our culture. Like our attention spans are like insanely short. In fact, they're so short that if you watch an old movie, you know, one all the way back in the 80s in the Stone Age, <laughs> right? And you would watch one of those and the movie would begin. What does it begin with? Credits. What kind of crazy idea? I lose interest in the movie before it even starts. That's why at the end of our movies now, when they do the credits, what do they have? Extra little things competent that are in there, little skits and dances and things like that so that you could pretend to look at the names that are going up and down the screen and feel smart. Right? Our attention span is shrunk and we are so easily distracted and enamored of temporary things. And so we need to wean ourselves from this horrible addiction to distraction. It's why we have to be intentional and find a time and a space and a place that we can be uninterrupted. No distraction. Now, of course, we're always supposed to be in constant fellowship with God. But finding that where I can actually focus on him, it takes effort. First Thessalonians 5 tells us to pray continually. I love that verse. It's also a short verse in scripture. I can memorize that one. So I'm always praying to God. I'm praying without ceasing. I'm always doing that, but I get distracted and those things. And so I need to make sure that how I'm living, I'm, I, I have a quiet time, a time that I can really focus on God, that it's not just me talking to God, it's also listening to him, right? Which leads to the third portion of that, the element of there so important is fellowship. 
Fellowship is relational. The purpose of a quiet time has to be relational. It's fellowship with God. That's the whole nature. It's what so many get wrong when we first practice in quiet. It's one of the reasons why I hated quiet time to begin with. Because I thought a quiet time was about getting smarter. To me, it was a Bible study. And school gets old. I'm like, I gotta go to school today. Crack open my Bible. Study it. When you study the Bible... It's boring, I'm tired, there's other things I want to do, my mind is everywhere else, right? Now I got to do my obligatory prayers after I've read this, right? And I'm done, I'm done, I got it done! Would it be a horrible date if I took my wife? I was like, here's the obligatory dinner. Can I get through this? Here's the conversation that we have to have. How are you? I'm fine. Night is good. All right. Okay, we're done. <laughs> That's how I treated quiet time. No wonder it was miserable. There was no fellowship in it. I wasn't meeting God. I wasn't meeting him. The author of creation, the savior of my soul, the Lord of all goodness and mercy and love. And I missed it because I could put a book, a beautiful, wonderful, inspired book, but a book nonetheless between me and him. I made it about the study and not about my Savior. Sometimes I make it about the prayers of going through, and I do have notebooks of prayers because I pray for you and I forget, so I have to write things down to know what I'm going to pray for. So every day I've got other people's to pray for so I could keep that, and so it's work. And my quiet time is not supposed to be about work. It's not supposed to be about going and doing my diligence before the Lord and making sure those things get done. There's time for that. There's other things that I do, but that wholly and, and fundamentally is not a quiet time. That's work time. That's my prayer time. It's different. And so we connect with the Lord. 1 Corinthians 1, 9 says, God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Don't pass by that. But God loves you so much, he didn't save you to be servants. In fact, Jesus even says, I no longer call you servants, but friends. That, that we're supposed to have, and we're designed by God to live in fellowship with him. That is relationship with him. He wants to know you, and he wants you to know him. That is what he longs for. That's why he saved us. Not so that you could become a biblical scholar. Not so that you could become a, a, an intercessory prayer warrior. Those things are wonderful. But above that, and in, in, in a, like so far above that, what God wants is you. He wants to meet with you. He wants to know you. He wants you to know him. That's why Jesus came to restore our relationship with him. And it reminds, what a miracle that, that sin made us his enemies. Like there was the fact that our Savior would even want a relationship with me, it just astounds me, right? And I even still, as a saved person, I still have so much darkness in my heart, I sometimes don't even like well, how I act, and I wonder, why is it that God would want to spend time with me? Because he loves me. He says, Aaron, I made you, and I am remaking you, right? He sees who I really am. And he's calling me into that place. 
but that requires me to begin to see him as he truly is. Romans 5.8 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that we were still sinners. Christ died for us. That's how much God wants a relationship with you. He's literally dying to have a relationship with you. Will we hold him out on that? Will we say to God, no, wait. I'll wait till I, you know, have a sanctified body and I see your face in heaven. That's when we can have a relationship. But right now, I got my prayer list. I got my agenda. I got my things to do and life is busy. You're missing out. We're missing out on life that is really life. So Jesus didn't just come to save us, he came to know us. I think it's one of the reasons why the most terrifying passage for Christians as we read in scripture, I, for, for me at least, and for a lot of us, is at the end, Jesus gives this parable about the sheeps and the goats, or description, like he says in the end, very truly, I'm gonna tell you, right, that when Christ comes back, he's like, we're gonna gather all the peoples together, I'm gonna separate, you know, the, some on the right and some on the left, you know, the sheeps and the goats, right, and, and to the, to the sheep, he's like, hey, you know, welcome to the kingdom and, and give you all these things for me. And they're like, well, what, when did I do that? He's like, well, you helped other people, but you knew me. But to the goats, this is what he says to them. He says, I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. This is after they tell him all the great things that they'd done in his name. The biggest thing that they missed is they missed him. Did a lot of great things in his name. They're wonderful things for the world in the name of religion. They fed people. They cast out demons. They did all kinds of amazing things. Good works. But they missed out on the most fundamental and core thing. Not that they didn't know who Jesus was, but they never allowed Jesus to know them. They weren't intentional about it. So busy doing the busyness things trying to earn God's favor and do all the stuff that they missed out on the one thing that really matters. Know him. Love him. So the purpose of the quiet time, fundamentally, is it's not about work. It's not an obligation. It's, it's not Bible study. It's not my prayer time. It's a time that I meet with God to get to know him to bear my heart to him and for him to get to know me. And so why have a quiet time, right? Why do we do it? Well, not to gain his favor, not to study, not to pray, but fundamentally we do it to fellowship with God. That's why. That changed me entirely on my, how I focused on a quiet time because before this, it was always a struggle. It was always difficult for me to put a quiet time into my daily schedule. I put it on my calendar. I was intentional, right? I, I would have this time when I would be uninterrupted, but I failed to fellowship with him, and therefore it became something that was dry and, and lifeless and exhausting, and it just became a burden. But when I gained the heart of the quiet time, to know my God, to be able to meet with him, it was like this... I never have trouble on Monday nights finding time to go hang out at Jeff's house with friends. Why? Do I have to go there? No. Do I do it so they would like me to earn their favor? No. They're my friends. That's why I go. But I enjoy being there because the purpose of being there is fellowship. If it's true for people and friends, why would it not be true with God who called us his friends? When I change my perspective of quiet time, I'm, I'm spending time 
with the lover of my soul, with my redeemer, with, with the most fascinating being that could ever be. God is brilliant and wonderful and creative and lovely. When, when we have relationship with him, the quiet time is not something that I sigh. <sighs> I have to do this. It becomes an opportunity that I get to do. I find joy in my life because of it. It changes us. Remember, John 15 says, Jesus said, I no longer call you servants. Servants don't know their father's business, right? But I said, I've called you friends. Because everything I learned, I have made known to you, or that my father's made known to me, I made known to you. Like, you recognize that once you have fellowship with God, you meet with him, you're in the inner circles. That's a fascinating place to be. Like, you're, you're entered into this amazing eternal conversation that the divine has with the divine in somehow mysterious way where the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are in constant communication and they're talking and they're creative and they're doing amazing things. And all of a sudden, God opens that circle up and he says, come, join this. It's the epiphanies that you have when you are with the Lord are amazing. He's always fascinating, always. You're never going to have a boring conversation with God, ever, never, never, ever. And the fact is that we enter into that not as subordinates, but as friends. He lets us into his thoughts and his feelings, his ideas. I think the closest that we can get to from a human perspective to seeing what that looks like is when we would have Moses and he would meet with the Lord in the tent of meeting and they would talk as one would talk with a friend. Right? Moses didn't have to like drag himself out. I gotta go meet with God again today and find out how to write Leviticus. I mean, that was not how it was on his mind. Every day he got to go talk with the creator of the universe who recreated him. And was making a whole new way. It was, was showing him things that for, for centuries were just mysteries. That God was revealing himself to him in a very deep and a profound way every day. As friends. And we get that same privilege. And think how privileged we are to have that. Because before Christ came, that wasn't open. But now the veil has been torn and God says, come in. Meet with me. So a quiet time is a time with a friend. A time to learn from our Savior and our Lord and our Master and our Teacher, but the one who is fascinating and beautiful. No longer servants, but we still serve him. And what a better way to serve him when I know what's on his heart. So the benefits of, of this kind of fellowship, first one is become Christ-like. Doesn't Scripture say that, that the character that we keep directs our care, uh, the people around us conforms our own character, so the company we keep changes who we are. In fact, it says, don't be misled, that bad company uh, you know, corrupts good character. Well, also, if we spend more time with God, we become more Christ-like, just like Moses walked away with shiny face. Right? We change the more we spend time with God. And one of the reasons that Christians don't grow in faith is not that we don't know what the Word says, it's not that we don't pray that God would make it real in our life, but we don't have his fellowship, relationship with him. We don't have the power of transformation that just comes by being in close proximity to a righteous being. It really matters. When you spend time with Jesus, the more you spend time with Jesus, the more you start to see the world like he does because he's got some good points to make. And not only that, he's, 
shows us mercy. So we walk, we experience it, we see how it's practiced, and guess what? We, it kind of rubs us off, off on us, and we start to become more merciful and more kind and more peaceful. We talk about the fruits of the Spirit, right? That they just start happening in our life beautifully, spontaneously, organically. Not, I don't have to force these things, but it just happens because I'm in the presence of the life giver himself. And not only that, we gain strength and mercy, the two things we need most from God in this life, right? I would say mercy first. That I tell you, like this week, I got so angry at somebody. I was just so, I was, I was spitting mad, just angry, 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 because what they did was dumb, dumb, dumb. And I really love, want to love people, but they just start being so stupid. And it just makes it hard. And I was so mad, and I didn't want to be merciful, and I said things in my, in my prayers to God. I was, I was, you don't know what a precatory prayer is, but that's when you pray a curse on somebody. And I was just like, this makes sense, God, because of that they deserve it. You created them for destruction, clearly. Why would you make them so dumb? That was my heart. And yet, in spending time with God, he, I was very exposed to me how wicked I was. What, what kind of evil still resides in here? And I need his mercy and his grace. And what a great place to be there where God doesn't just say, kneel down, you horrible sinner, and take your punishment. No, but a friend that says, hey, what a boneheaded move that was. No, I'm not going to curse them. And I don't want to curse you. <laughs> you need to forgive. I've forgiven you. You need to release that. Put it in my hands, right? I love you and you're stupid, right, Aaron? Yeah, okay, so I... You know, it changes you. I receive mercy in my time of need and any brokenness that I have. I don't run from God in shame because he's my friend. But it's not just mercy that I receive. It's also strength. I want to be different. I want to have his grace and his truth and his wisdom. I want to live my life for purpose and meaning. And I don't understand how the complexities of everything works. My God does. I, I don't have the ability to overcome my sinful flesh on my own. Thanks be to Christ that he is with me and not abandoned me. I have a daily check-in with my Savior and tension. They go in, and there's confession, but there's also a reception, a, a power, a reminder that there's a better way to live. And I receive his help in my time of need. I think also is that I'm slowly gaining Christ's heart for the world. Like the more that I expose myself, I realize that my heart is kind of ugly <laughs> and how beautiful God's heart is. The more I spend time with him, the more I realize that he really does love the lost people and maybe they're not my enemies like I thought. And, and maybe he does have a, a care for, the, for those that are broken and those that are so deceived that right now they're fighting against him. That he changes my perspective of value and purpose. Because I spend time with them, I talk with them, it just naturally happens. And I think without having Christ's heart at, at our beating in our chest, the church really becomes fragmented and lost, doesn't it? So as important as that we assemble, we need to assemble in Christ. And the best way for us to really do that, all of us are meeting with the Lord and gaining his heart as well. I think another thing that happens when I meet with God, because I gain his heart, and I have that mercy and strength that happens that's part of my life, is that I start to live for greater purposes, right? It, my priorities come into a greater sense of order. 
because there's more than enough stuff to, to occupy all of my time. In fact, a few years ago, 10 years ago, a great book came out. Was it, uh, it's probably longer than that, 20 years now. Uh, uh, we, the Goodness to, or Good to Great. I don't know if you read that book. It was an interesting book. I read it several years ago. But the, th the thing that oftentimes keeps us from exceptionalism, excellence, that I think God really calls us to, are the good things in our life. That we get comfortable in the nice. But God has so much more for us. That's the privilege of being in Christ. And when I spend time with the Lord and I spend time and I hear his heart and I begin to have him do that introspective gaze into my own life, it's amazing how oftentimes he exposes how many small things I was living for and wasting so much time and energy on stuff that doesn't really matter. And so that I'm not wasting this precious life that he has given me. I'm not wasting today on stuff that will eventually just disappear. But I can live for greater purposes. That doesn't happen if I'm just off there on my own. And so having intentional, uninterrupted time for fellowshipping with God allows me to have those benefits. So how do I have a quiet time? Well, that's the that's secret, right? Uh, I mean, that's really why we're here. We want to practice this, but then here's the warning. If it becomes too programmatic, then we sometimes miss it. That's why you have to have the heart of fellowship. So here's the caveat. I'm going to tell you some things that are important. That I've looked through scripture, and I've looked through church history, and some of the ways that I've applied in my own life and people in the last 20 years in ministry. What are the things that are kind of there that when people have a successful quiet time, what are some of the elements there? That I'm going to share those with you. But don't think that these things make a good quiet time. You need to be fellowshipping with God. This is going to be things that are going to help you fellowship with God. If you use it for that purpose, this will be really powerful for you. But if you take these, these next three things, these, these keys, and you just apply them without that purpose, you want to just please God, you want to you know, go through and have your, your good boy or girl, good girl checklist, this is going to fail you, and you're going to be miserable. And so... With that, you can't really have a good quiet time without these, but these aren't going to give you a good quiet time. Fellowship with the Lord. That's got to be a purpose. So three keys when you have that, right, in order to put there. The first thing is to have a consistent time. Why? Well, because we are, by God's design, creatures of a cyclical nature. We're part of, we're part of a world that has day and night, that has seasons, right? There's new years, like... This is the way that God has designed us to be. And so there is a regularity of a cycle in our life that's actually biologically built within us. That's one of the reasons, like, for guys who, when they start working out, one of the things they want to do is find a time in the day that they can go at the same time every day. It just primes their body for that action, right? It helps us. But also psychologically, it makes it easier. You gain a habit, right? Think about it. You, you probably brush your teeth at the same time every day. There was a time in your life that you had to learn that habit but now if you miss brushing your teeth at that time something's missing right it's just how we are designed and i would say we need to be meeting with the god in a way that's natural and that means that we find a consistent time some time that you can do it now that that's different for everybody for a lot of people first thing in the morning that's going to make the most sense before the world gets crazy and all that and if you have the ability to do that great right set Five, ten minutes aside, first time you do that. Some people, that's just not going to work. I think especially for me, the hardest time to have a quiet time was when Thomas was between four years old and 12 years old because he was not consistent. He was just, you know, there was just chaos constantly. 
And it would just made things difficult. And I think for Amy, it's when, you know, he was a newborn up to like sex, seven years old, something like that. Just, it was just, when are you going to find time to, to do this? Uh, she needed to gain my help where I could be consistent to provide her some time and space. I mean, that was, it's, it's hard. I don't want to say it's not easy, but to find a consistent time. Maybe it's at lunchtime. Maybe you put your kid down for a nap. You know, maybe it's after you get up from a nap. I don't know. Just everyone's different. Something consistent in your schedule that you can come across to every single day. And then a, an amount of time. That helps because it's hard for us to be uninterrupted and intentional if we don't have an end as much as a beginning. Right? So for me, I just started with five minutes because that's what I could do and I wanted to meet with God. And I wanted to make sure that I had time to do that. And so I, I set a time at the beginning and a, a little timer at the end because that's just how I work. I, you work however you work. Find a consistent time and just keep it. And you think about that. You have a time for church. has a beginning and end, right? When I coach sports, you know, we have beginning and an end to every single thing that we do. You have business meetings, beginning and an end. Just have time to meet with God, right? That's going to be important. And so it's going to help you. If you don't have that end port, what's going to happen is the devil's going to whisper your heart. You don't have time for God because you spend way too much time with him. Every time you get together, blows the rest of your day. So have a beginning and end, consistent time, be able to keep it. Second thing, a consistent place. Where are you going to go? You're like, but Aaron, what if, I, what if I'm on vacation? Well, yeah, find a different place during vacation. But generally in life, we live in a pretty consistent area. So find somewhere that you know is not going to be distracting. You know, lousy spaces are going to be public areas where there's a lot of flow through and that you people are going to talk to you. Don't do that. So some people actually go into a closet because they're like, <laughs> you know, I think uh, uh, one of the... Uh, uh, was it Wesley Brothers? Whatever their, their mom would had like twenty some kids. Whatever she would put her her apron up over her head and sit in the hall because that's how she shut the world out. That's fine. Whatever whatever you got to do to create a space where you're just not going to be distracted. That's where you go. Okay, and make it accessible. Make it something that you know it's going to be regular, going to be there that you can go to. It's amazing what happens is when you go into that space for that purpose, after a while, at that time, you'll find that pretty quickly you become ready to get into a relationship with God. Just something, however God made us, that the repetition of it, being consistent, does it just, so you walk into the space for a while, you know, it took me a while to get used to being comfortable meeting with God, it took me a while to get used to the space because everything's kind of different, and um, I met with God in the bathroom because the only place in my house had locks, right? <laughs> Right, so that's where I had to go to. So that took me a while to get used to, but that's what I had to do. Find a space, consistent. That's where you're gonna go. Another one. Have a consistent plan. Now, no, don't be religious about this whole thing about you know I have to read this and pray this and do those things. This is about fellowship. But like when I take my wife out on a date, I have a plan. We're gonna go do this. We're gonna go do this. We're gonna do this. Right? There's something to it. There's a purpose and an order to it. And so for you. You know, you can deviate from the plan. God can always say, hey, I'm going to be spontaneous. We're going to do something different. Yeah, that's fine. But to have something, instead of going in there and wondering, what am I going to do now? That's what you're going to spend your entire time doing. And you're going to talk yourself, fill your head full of, this is what I'm going to do. So what I would suggest, if you're new to a quiet time, there are these things called daily devotions. Daily Bread has a great one. My Utmost First Highest is a fantastic one. There's all, all kinds of really good ones, right? Start with one of those, Right? Spend time with it, but if you find yourself studying, 
or just filling your time instead of like not like trying not to find God's heart, you're trying to just find information, just stop for a minute. You don't, who cares if you get through that thing that day? Then ask God, what do you think about this? Or if there's something really troubling that you're going through and you need his help, ask him for help. Right? But at least go in with a plan. If you have a consistent plan, this is kind of what we normally do. I think you're going to find yourself more readily getting out of your own way and being more open to what God has to say. And if you would like help with that, guess what? You have a pastor who loves you very much. In fact, you have a couple. And pretty soon you'll have three. And we would love to talk with you and help you at plan how to create a good quiet time. But for all of us, what I want to do is to be able to have that quiet time. So here's something I'm encourage you to do. And say it on your connection cards too, because why? Because making commitments to ourselves is also making a commitment to God, saying, I'm going to follow you, and I'm actually going to put this to practice. I didn't waste my time this morning. First thing I'm going to challenge you to do is to memorize 1 Corinthians 9.25. Realize that, yes, this is going to take effort. It's going to take discipline. It's going to feel unnatural at first, but it leads to eternal change. So let the Word of God remind you of that. As we do that, why don't you read Psalm 63? Why? I think you're going to find a beautiful example. It's a Psalm, David, of what a quiet time of fellowshipping with God can look like in Scripture. It's, it's gorgeous. And then also, uh, maybe for you, is to find a time and a space. That's what your commitment is. This week, your mission, if you choose to accept it, the impossible, is to find a time and a place that you can meet with God that consistently, right? And the last thing I'm going to challenge you to do is to have a quiet time. Just try it. For the purpose of fellowshipping with God, that's an intentional time, right? That's going to be uninterrupted where you can actually begin to fellowship with God. They're going to find it's going to be a little bit awkward at first, just like first dates, but trust me, the more you do it, the better they become, and uh, it becomes a rich and a, and a rewarding and an essential part of spiritual development. Of course, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, don't have a quiet time. Have a moment of time with the Lord to accept him as your Lord and Savior. Be saved by God's grace, your faith in him as your Lord and Savior. Scripture tells us we do that, uh, that we're saved by grace through faith, by believing, that's trusting him, even when we have doubts, especially when we have doubts, believing. We confess him we, we, with our lips and with our lives so that he is my Lord and Savior, right? We also repent, which we actually start following him, doing the things that he asks us to do, bringing our life conformity to his will, right? So we're baptized, and we be baptized is really important. And also being disciples, of a church that helps you grow up in that faith. If you need to take that step of faith, I encourage you to come talk with me after the service. I'll be in the back there and I'll help you to take those steps. But hopefully for all of us, something to do, say yes to today as we next steps of following the Lord in our, in our quiet time. Let me pray for you as you make these commitments. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness and your love and your mercy. Thank you for your presence and Father, the, the wonderful joy that we have to have fellowship with you. Lord, I pray in this church you would help us to be a church that does actually want to know you and gets to know you. Father, I pray your blessing over each one of these that are here today, that you would empower them and inspire them, give them the ability to have a time and a place and a plan to meet with you for the purpose of fellowship, uninterrupted and intentional, Lord, and that you would grow richness in their life spiritually as they become more like you, find grace and mercy and, and as well as strength to live the life that you have called them to and as they gain your heart to live uh, the, this world world a way that it brings you honor. Uh, Father, it's really about knowing you, so we want to, to love you with everything we are, and I pray that would be the effect. So Lord, bless these, these commitments we're making to, to that very same effect. Father, I pray you bless our tithes and offerings to another form of our worship, just centering our lives on you because you're worthy. We pray this in the beautiful name of our Savior Jesus.